0: Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. All right, welcome back to the prolific author podcast. We are here today with author Day Leto. How are you today, Day? I'm fine. Good, good. Um, so, why don't we start by having you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you write?
1: My name is Day Leito. I'm from Brazil. I write fantasy and sci-fi, YA fantasy and sci-fi. I've been writing for about I've been writing since forever, but I've been publishing for about three years, and I also have one small nonfiction book on hooking readers.
0: <laughs> so um, yeah, that's great. That's great. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, why did you decide to write a book about hooking readers?
1: I did a workshop once, and I thought the ideas were really cool. It's because I I I really started to think about it and you know to try to make it make sense you know because there's some things that we do it more like intuitively but when you sit down and try to write it and I thought it was good so I decided to I I thought it could be useful so I just put it in a little short book just about that because I think it's super important I don't know
0: yeah yeah I think it is too it's something that I teach a lot of my students and clients so uh, just kind of talk to us about it a little bit. Why is it so important for us to hook our readers?
1: I think uh, nowadays it 's very hard for people to people say that we are everything is fast you know it 's uh, mm-hmm. short tweets short videos and people it's people don 't have the uh, people only have short attention spans, but that is not true. That is not true at all, because this is also the, the age of binge read, binge reading and binge watching. So people can spend right. like 10 hours watching something on Netflix. They do have the attention. So the, the mat, but the issue is that this attention, to grab this attention nowadays, it's harder than ever because you're competing with a lot of different things. And if you don't grab the attention, people are not going to read it and be it a reader, you know, or if you're trying to get traditionally published an agent, you know, they, you know, they only read one paragraph, which makes sense because they get so many submissions, you know, (laughs) and if you're going to, if, I don't know, if one page is not interesting, I mean, uh, when is it going to get interesting, you know? And I don't know. I, I do that a lot. I get just a sample. And if I, if it, if, if I don't like it, I don't read it, you know, I don't know about Mm -hmm. you.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I actually, I really like the way that you put that, um, that there actually is attention spans, it's just a matter of we're competing more for them, because I think, I think people do that a lot, they, they say one thing, and it's like, you kind of know what they're trying to say, but it's still not entirely correct, it's kind of like, one that I harp on a lot, is people saying that kids today are like, stupider than they've ever been because they're on their devices all the time. And I just think the opposite is true. I think they are smarter than they have ever been. They're definitely less active than, you know, perhaps they used to be, but people, you know, they tend to say things like that. And then when you stop and think about it, you're like, yeah, that's actually not true. Um, (laughs) So I I agree. I think that people do have the attention span and because that we are, you know, competing against so many things for that attention span, the, the writing just has to be stellar, you know, right at the, right at the get-go in order to hook them. Um, So, you know, what is your formula then for hooking readers right at the beginning?
1: I'm glad you asked because I I actually have a formula. I I call it a formula. What I found, it was basically looking at a a lot at my own behavior as a reader. I DNF a lot of books for some reason. Mm. I I just can't. I have, and I've been, I I had things thinking, you know, maybe I have some issue that I should, some issue of attention, you know, maybe, maybe I do have some issue, maybe I do, but then I started realizing and I noticed that there was a difference in the books that I liked and the ones that I, the ones that I could read were more likely to be an indie that did really well or, you know, like some... Right some so what I noticed that I think was three things is uh curiosity so right from the start you make the reader ask a question it doesn't need to be a big question. It doesn't need to have the exciting incident in the, on the first page, but you start with something that makes you curious to know mm-hmm. something. And second is emotional connection, because you need to be connected emotionally to the stories. If you're not connected emotionally, you don't care. And if you don't care, you don't read, you know, even yeah, even if there's curiosity, if it's something that there's no emotional stakes, you don't care. Um, and the third one is pleasant prose it's just a pl- prose that rolls down your tongue it doesn't need to be complex or simple or whatever but just you know something that's pleasant to read and flows so I think that's the thing having the inciting this curiosity which is can be something simple like just a small question and with some small emotional connection which you can also if, if we're talking about the very first page, right you get some humanity something about the character that makes you makes you feel something so when you have that it's a well for for the book as well but then it's going to get bigger right so when you have that that's going to make you make the reader keep reading and turning the pages that's not the formula for a good book it can be good or bad it doesn't matter I mean for although emotional connection will help you get a book, good book, right. but it's about turning the pages.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So, um, once again, it is to spark curiosity and create an emotional connection and then have pleasant prose, right? Yes. That's so what I think. I mean, I analyzed some
1: books. You could, you I've seen lots of people saying different things. And so th- this is my take. I'm not, it's
0: not the only take
1: and it's not the right take.
0: Yeah, no, no. But, but I think you're right. I mean, I think, um, you know, creating some sort of intrigue so that there's a question that needs to be answered is, is what is going to create curiosity. And yeah, I mean, that's all I teach is that you have to have an emotional, part of your story or else it's going to fall flat right so do you have any particular um you know examples on how to do this exactly
1: oh I I, I had something I put in in the book but some some of them are not like very well-known books but I'll just take let's say Harry Potter when it starts and it's funny because I was reading some articles saying oh usually you introduce your hero in the Regular life, you know, and I'm like "Mm, regular. Uh, I don't know. When I was a kid, I didn't go to the zoo every day. I did not talk to snakes. (laughs) You know, so it's not regular. But you know, you have this little thing that he wants something. He starts when you get have him. He starts wanting something, looking forward to something, which is something that you can sympathize with, and you can also. he has this uh, cousin who gets more toys and it's his birthday and then he's um, you know that he doesn't often go out he's excited about it so these are things that you can I mean I'm talking about the very beginning these are things that will make you connect with him because he's doing something that you did as well when you were a child and you still do, you still get excited about things, looking forward to things. And in this very beginning, just something to, to introduce, even though you're still in the normal world, right? You're still in his family, but it's, it's, it's something that's look, he's looking forward to something and you want to know what happens. And let me see. (laughs) I don't know if you want more examples. I I was thinking I did. I, I wrote in my book in the um, Game of Thrones, uh-huh. the first book. I, I I like those books. Yeah, attitudes Yeah, they're so good. They always have a uh, prologue with a character that doesn't matter, which. People say don't do prologues, but you, you're usually not supposed to do prologues because usually you cannot do this emotional connection. But he actually does really well because it's this man and they're going into this forest at night, and he feels that there's something different. Different, and he says we should go back. And there's this young knight. Ah, are you afraid of the dark? You know, <laughs> and and he's mocking him, and it's something that you can also. First, you know that there's something wrong. You just know that something is gonna happen, and you get curious right. what is gonna happen. Second, you kind of have the feeling he's experienced. He's done this a lot, and he's saying, mm, "There's something different today. There's something wrong, and there's this young knight. Ah, are you afraid mocking him? You know that he uh, he's right, and there's somebody like being in, you know in the wrong, which is something that also creates kind of an emotional connection that helps you. That in a simple prologue with characters that are going to be dead very soon, (laughs) but uh, he manages to
0: do that uh, for the beginning. Yeah, you know, and that's an interesting discussion, because I actually had someone on YouTube ask me this today about prologues versus first chapters, and it's, it's really just kind of an interesting phenomenon. I think that prologues, you can create that emotional connection if it's written well, because you're still starting in the head of some character, you know, and even if it's not going to be a main character in the book, it's just like writing any short story or whatever, you still have to hook the reader. And you can use the prologue to sort of introduce the world and the story in a way that's um, you, you almost can't do in a first chapter. So yeah, it's it, it's definitely interesting to get into the difference between the two. But I but I totally know what you mean. Like, I think they, they did a good job creating intrigue with that prologue. And when the prologues are well written, sometimes they're not, you know, but when they are, that's <laughs> kind of what they do is they create intrigue for the story, so that the reader wants to keep going and be like, okay, I have no idea what that was, but I really want to find out, you know, so I'm going to keep reading the story. Yeah, I think prologues can be
1: poorly done if they're like explaining the world, you know, because yeah. it, it's not a good idea to explain the world in the beginning, because if you don't have emotional connection, you don't care. In this case, it is to explain the world, explain, you know, uh, in the north of the wall, but it, you do it with emotion. But so if, mm-hmm. if it's something cold and dry, just explaining the world, uh, unless it's very short and maybe well written. Maybe it's okay, but usually it's not going to be. That's why people advise against uh, prologues. And also we've seen so many poorly written prologues that right. the reader looks prologue, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they skip it or something. So, so that's that's a whole different thing. But uh, the, the important right. thing is really for the beginning to have that um, it may, make the reader feel something and be curious be, about what's going to happen which right. needs to be happen at the scene level as well, not just at the, um, at the plot level, right? At the, the big level. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So when you sit down to write your first chapter, uh, what, what do you do to, are there any you know, particular tricks or a, a particular process that you use to ensure that you have all of those three things um, present so that you're making sure that you hook your reader?
1: No. <laughs> when I write...
0: <laughs> When I write, I'm I'm I'm
1: very intuitive when writing and it's hard to keep track of these things. And sometimes it's a, a high bar to, to look for, but I try to make sure that when I finish my first chapter, there is a question hanging, you know. I I yeah. do not finish the first chapter without leaving a question. And I, I do try that. Um, I think I think my, the latest book I wrote, I was still focused on trying to get like sensorial details. I was studying about sensorial details and how they are very good; they can really help your book. And I was focusing on that and giving all the sensi- sensations. But then I went back and read. It's like, what did I write? <laughs> so what, why is this here? I'm not saying sensorial details are bad. I'm just saying in that I I wasn't focused on you know. On the heart of it, what's happening emotionally, what happens in terms um, of intrigue, so I changed it a little bit, I guess after I did the workshop and stuff, I went back, when I could go back, because I can't go back to the ones that are published, uh, well I could, <laughs> but I, I mean I'm not going to do that, and I tried to see, you know, okay, so is there, is there something that incites curiosity, is there something that's intriguing, but I, I do find that my, my latest book, it's a very slow slow first chapter uh Mm. so i don't always i
0: don't know the ideas are
1: weird right it's hard to control them i
0: guess so it sounds like maybe you don't you don't plan it out in advance but you kind of use it as a checks and balances to go back afterward and make sure that you've included all of that
1: yes yes that's what i do
0: Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And especially for pantsers who, you know, prefer not to have a formula beforehand. I think, yeah. you know, things like templates and step-by-step processes can still be of, of good use to pantsers, just, you know, to look back and do kind of the checks and balances and make sure that they've included everything they need to, to hook the reader. Oh,
1: yeah. Like plot ideas, they can work like a compass. It doesn't need mm-hmm. to be a map, right? Even yeah. though I kind of like to map, I'm not a Mm-hmm. Plotter, but I like to have an idea where I'm going. But sometimes I don't know where I'm going and I have to write anyway. So let's Ryan. just go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely more of an outliner and I, I kind of teach, you know, how to map your story. But even like the most ardent outliners still do some panting, you know, when they're writing a scene and, and things like that. Yes. So I think both have a lot of value for any writer.
1: Yeah, because when you get in the scene, it's always different, and there are always surprises, and sometimes they can Mm -hmm. throw a curve on the plot, which is great. I actually, I usually like, usually stuff that happens on the fly tends to be better than what's planned, but I like to plan in advance, it's just sometimes I don't really know what to plan, and -hmm. I have to keep writing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so I just kind of keep going.
0: Yeah, for sure. So... What do you think that, what do you think is a big, I don't know if I want to say the biggest, but what is, you know, a common mistake, I guess, that you think that a lot of writers make when trying to hook the reader? Like, what is it that they're doing that ends up not hooking the reader? I've done it. (laughs) I've done
1: many mistakes. I can tell you uh i i I actually used to think that and which is ridiculous that having things happening fast is going to be more engaging so Mm. my fear i was afraid of being boring you know and that that if i'm boring people are gonna quit so instead so the the solution that i thought was was to make sure you know make the scenes go fast make a lot of things happen and this is I mean I'm not gonna say ridiculous if we're doing that because I've done it but you know we've had the experience of watching we've all had the experience of watching action, action movies where there are like thousands of things happening and you're like oh this is so boring you know yeah I think someone transformers where there's this action sequence action and it, this never ended. It was like, oh, this is so boring. Because right. you know, having a lot of things happening does not make it. First, it, when you're talking about uh, pacing, you need to think how fast the reader goes, not how fast things go. And if things right. go fast, the reader doesn't get the chance to feel, to get involved in the story. And second, the fact that things go fast doesn't mean what you need right. is this curiosity looking looking to the future to something that's happened you know and like mm-hmm. thinking if is gonna happen or or then this emotional and intrigue and that's what's gonna make it interesting not having a bunch if, if a bunch of things happen and it doesn't have an order it gets completely wrong something yeah. else that I that I've done is not focus on having like a very clear goal you know and having a, mm-hmm. a plot it's not that it meanders that kind of switches gears and goes in a, an unexpected direction it can it can I'm not gonna say don't do it but as long as there <laughs> is this framework this main goal where the reader still knows kind of has a, can look forward and knows kind of where it's going you know even if it gets there mm-hmm. in a different way it it's it really uh, frames the story so but I would say the most common one is trying to put a lot of things the other day I was speaking to somebody who said oh I have this part of the book that I heard was boring and I'm gonna have to put some action there maybe that's the case <laughs> but maybe that's not the case maybe you know maybe it's something different and it's it's incredible how but um that so
0: <laughs> yeah no I don't know. no I, I absolutely love everything you just said because um i love that you you talked about fear of being boring i think a lot of authors suffer from that we're we're terrified that someone's gonna read our story and find it boring so we just have to throw all this stuff in there all these twists and turns and you know sparkly unicorn falling out of the sky and it just makes no sense but um yeah, I think that's that's a really a very real fear that a lot of authors have. And the other thing is, I actually harp on this a lot. I, I think I think the core problem is that people—it's the way people are identifying action. They think that you know we always say, okay, well we need some action in the plot, and that's true. But people think that that means really high action, like you said, like an action film, like people running and punching each other, and like like all this like really high adrenaline action, and in, in fiction, that's, that's not really what action means. Action is really more tied to emotion and pushing the plot forward. So if something is boring, I mean, you're absolutely right. You put in tons of action that doesn't mean anything. It's going to become more boring. <laughs> and that's something that authors really need to learn and to figure out. And I think when you have a droopy, you know, a droopy middle or a, a scene that is coming across as boring to the reader, you actually need more emotion. And yeah, you need action tied to that emotion so that the reader, or I mean, so that the, uh, character isn't just like staring at the wall, feeling things, but you know what I mean? It's really more about emotion in the character yes. than it, than it is action. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I guess, I guess the idea is the emotion in the
1: reader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I agree with your, what you're saying. I think that's what you meant. but is the reader feeling anything But uh, right. what, what emotion does it, uh, does it, do and something related ideally if you want a page turning, to some curiosity some looking forward into the future you know yeah which yeah. i think is what makes people turn the pages to get there but uh yeah and i i wish screenwriters would learn this because i think <laughs> authors are not so bad but screenwriters <laughs> sometimes you have so many like empty you know, barren scenes without this emotional core, and they are going to be boring. I guess almost everything is boring if, if it has no emotion,
0: right? Yeah. Because it cannot uh, connect.
1: Right. So. And I think that is also
0: connected to, you talked about having a goal, like a story goal or a character goal, whatever you want to call it. And I think it just, it's all connected. I mean, having the goal is going to be emotional for the character and their emotions are what's driving them to achieve the goal so you need that focus that story focus and so in you know in that way you were saying that this is only one take on it and yeah I'm sure there are other takes on it but I feel like what you said the the intrigue the curiosity the emotion and then the the pretty prose I mean you kind of need that at every level of the story you know so that's that's really important to keep in mind yeah
1: and I think we don't We don't keep them in mind as much, Uh, like many craft books, like the talk about plot, for example, Save the Cat. I don't hate it, but, you know, you (laughs) get all these plot points, but it's not telling you how to look forward, you know, how to make, create this curiosity. It doesn't tell you that, Uh, or if people take the the... Right, the hero's journey, which is even worse. I'm not saying it's you can take it and do something good, but you know, and that that one specifically, if you get it the wrong way, it can be very externally focused. Like this yes. happens to the character, and this happens, and that's not gonna work. And also this happens and this happens and this happens. But what is the what is the main point? Where is this going? Like I said, I've had I had one book where it, I it lacked this thing. My idea when I wrote it was. A character that was in this small place and slowly things get bigger and bigger and change you know it's a little like life you know sometimes you're in school and you think it it's your whole world and everything there matters and then you in and, and you don't realize like but you know but it it doesn't work for you can do that but as long as there is something that ties it I'm not saying don't do it but as long as there's something that that frames it so
0: yeah no no you are totally speaking my language because I I have taught templates before I have taught a hero's journey and I think that there are there is a lot of value in it because it's just people recognizing the same kinds of beats that are in a story, but you're right that that's external, you know, you're, you're when you start with that, you're building from the outside in, and you got to build from the inside out. So what's missing is the internal struggle of the character, and that's not addressed at all in a lot of these, you know, story beat templates. So yeah, I totally agree. You, you have to kind of start with the emotion, and then if you want to use the template, you can, but you have to tie the emotion to it as you go through each of the beats. So yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Yeah, um go ahead sorry
1: I was gonna say sometimes when we're writing sometimes it's hard to think about all these things you know it like is. it's it is uh sometimes I just throw it all away and write whatever <laughs> and then I can't come back and look at it because sometimes it's just these ideas you know and if I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the best the best written stories. It always feels like the author sat down and typed it from word one to the final word, you know. But we know that's <laughs> definitely not realistic. <laughs> stories are always written in uh, in layers, I think, and you have to go back and fix stuff and and all of that. But hopefully, at the end, you come up with a you know high quality enough product that it feels very seamless to the reader. Yes, ideally, yes, sure. Yeah. Great, great. Well, um, what advice do you have for up-and-coming writers about, you know, learning to hook their reader? Like, what would you tell them is the most important or, you know, what should they be learning or paying attention to?
1: I think they should be paying attention to their own reading when they pick a book when they stop, you know, or when they read until, when you're excited reading until morning, maybe you go back and reread it, you know, because you're not noticing mm-hmm. as you're reading uh, what's going on here. And um, so I think that's one thing that can really help and yeah, pay attention. Things that, could, I think the idea of hook you can think about like the hook of a mountain, like for climbing a mountain, you throw up, you know, there's always something that's, Throwing towards the future, or like if you think of a mountain, you throw it up there. So there is always something that's you know forward. You know, it's curiosity mm-hmm. or it's something that's people dreading or expecting something. There should be something that you know hook, almost like like climbing a mountain. You know, you throw mm-hmm. the hook up and then it pulls you. So there is this yeah. uh, movement forward, uh, and that's when you have to, and your your first chapter do we have a question here and mm-hmm. your second question is there a question still hanging and you know a question or it can be uh or it can be well if you're like dreading something it's still a question right is this mm-hmm. gonna happen how is this gonna Raya, happen right so i think this looking towards uh tying things and and i think at the scene level as well you need to make sure thing, things are um, happening with emotion, I guess that's, that's one thing that, because if you get to the scene and it's boring, even though, I mean, if it doesn't have emotion, it's, but, but sometimes if you're, if you really have a lot of curiosity, it can be okay, even though it's not that well-written or emotional, it's doable. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's, I think, you know, analyzing the stories that you love is really good advice. That's actually something I I have done for a long time. I love analyzing villains and, um, you know, my favorite romance scenes and things like that. But I I definitely don't tell my students to do that enough. I need to put more emphasis on that. Um, So, you know, you said, it's interesting, though, that you said if you have enough curiosity, that could be enough of a hook. So you have the three parts of your formula. Do you think if you do like two of them very well, that can make up for not doing the third part? Yes,
1: I I absolutely think so. And I also think that no author does the three of them well, which is something Mm, to note. Interesting it, because if you look at it, it's usually, I mean, but us, we are trying our best, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I yeah. should be for the three of them because, you know, and also at the end of at the end of the day, we are going to kind of not do so well in one or the other, you know? So I think yeah. two of them is enough, super well done, but you know, well done. I I mean, aim for the three of them and hope for the best.
0: I mean, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's great advice. Well, um, thank you so much for being here today. I thought this was a really valuable conversation and I think uh I think my listeners are gonna get a lot out of it. Um where can they find you and your books as an author?
1: Yes, uh my website is daylato.com. Uh, my f- nonfiction book is Dlaton, but you can find it on my website on for writers. And and I write uh, YA fantasy and sci-fi. I'm not going to say it's always, you know, we're, it's always a work in process. But yeah, you can, you can find me there.
0: Okay, great. And I will make sure to link all of that up in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here today and uh, for, you know, educating us on how to hook our readers. Thank you so much
1: for inviting me and for your lovely podcast and all, all these <laughs> tips. It's, it's super great
0: me again before you go if you found value in this episode i would love it if you could leave me a review reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast be sure to screenshot it share it on your favorite social media network and tag me at lk hill books remember the world needs your stories Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.